Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the 17th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of September 24th, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited for multiple reasons this week. We are on episode 299, which is amazing for me to be thinking about and contemplating that how long I've been actually doing that. But again, like I've stated before, after next week's episode, look for something later that week. I'll end up having some special episode that week. And so if you have any questions or anything that you've been wondering about with this podcast and how I do this or something you wonder about or how did I come up with my different ideas, there's a few things I know that I want to talk about. I would love to hear those. Shoot me an email, shoot me a text, shoot me a message on different social media. I'd love to hear some of the different questions and stuff you have. I'm getting really excited to be able to get to this milestone. It's something that, again, when you start doing this and you start doing it week after week, it's something that just seems like a concept. And now I'm right on the doorstep of 300. So that's pretty exciting. I'm also really excited that we are still in this season after Pentecost. We're still in that growing season, but now we're in the fall. So you're bringing everything back around. And we had a really fun episode I felt last week talking about bees, which one of the things that I did see right after it, and I'll attach some links down to it below, is this is a great time of year that if you're mowing or have leaf litter and different things like that, it's really important to be leaving that in your yard if possible, even just shred it up. It's really good for the bees, especially the native bees like we talked about, the solitary bees. They're finding holes and crevices and being able to have some of that leaf litter to help cover them up is super important. So it's another great thing to be looking at and thinking about. But let's look at the question that we had for last week was, where do you see give and take relationships currently working? And I think it's really interesting on some of the responses that we had were even kind of getting into relationships with parents and different things and quotes can sometimes be these kind of weird give and take relationships. But sometimes the military can be kind of a give and take relationship but remembering in all that, that we're trying to be love in all of that. And I think those are some really good examples. I think when we look around in nature, there's a lot of ways also that it does a lot of give and take. And I think it's something that we do need to keep thinking about and reiterating on. And I think this week where we'll end up going, which I can guarantee you we've never talked about in this podcast and it's a really fun one, I think, this week. But that give and take relationship is so important. And I think it's so monumental within our own faith and being able to understand more of the character who God is because of that give and take relationship. So let's just jump into it. One of the Old Testament texts that you can choose this week is out of Exodus chapter 16, verse 2 through 15. This is moving a little bit further in that Exodus story of the Israelites getting away from Egypt. They've spent some time and now they're starting to complain. They are starting to complain because they're hungry and they don't have enough to eat. And Moses comes to the Lord and the Lord then says, okay, I am going to provide for these people. So for six days, he's going to provide for them. And on the sixth day, there will be two days worth of food that they gather. And what do they end up getting? This is when they start getting manna and quail for these people to be gathering up day after day. 
And it's the reiteration of God hearing the complaints and making sure that they are fed and taken care of, that you get the quail in the evening and the manna or dew in the morning as this light, flaky substance. And it's that God is providing for what they need. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 105, verses 1 to 6 and 37 through 45. This is then this reflection kind of a little bit on what we were talking about here on how the Lord has provided and thus let's sing praise and give glory and recognize the amazing things of what God has done. Remembering the amazing miracles that God has done, the promises that have continued to happen. And then we get into verse 37. It's the beginning of then kind of walking through what the tribe of Israel has gone through and recognizing that God was with them in the whole process, making sure that things were opening up for them quite literally, to make sure that the promise that God had made with them was happening. It's this showing of this extremely caring and thoughtful God. The other Old Testament text this week we can go to is out of Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 to chapter 4 verse 11. Cool things about Jonah is one, this is the only time in the Revised Common Lectionary we get Jonah, and two, Jonah is one of the only books, if not the only book, that ends on a question. And I think those are some fun facts about it. But, so we have the whole thing where Jonah gets called to go to Nineveh. He goes quite literally on a ship to go to Tarshish in the opposite direction. Storm blows up. He gets thrown overboard after realizing this is for him. He gets eaten by a big fish, gets spit up on shore. He then goes to Nineveh, tells them they revert their ways. And this is kind of where we pick this up, that Jonah's upset because he's stating the recognition that you were a forgiving God and you were slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love when you weren't going to punish these people. So why did I even come here? And God kind of reiterates that this plant then grows up and provides shade for Jonah. And Jonah is so thankful for this bush, even though he is still very upset and just wondering, why the heck am I even here? A worm comes and destroys the bush, and now the sun is beating on him. And Jonah is just like, I am angry enough to die. And God kind of calls him out on really? Did you do anything for that bush or that bush just there? And that's where then God compares it to the city of Nineveh. That now you didn't do anything. These people repented and now you're upset that I'm not wiping them off the face of the planet. And so he ends it with here in verse 11, and should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals? Ending on a question. But this recognition of how God is trying to help us recognize and see from God's eyes what is going on. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 145, the first eight verses of it. 
This is, again, it's a praise psalm. It's the recognition of what God does for us, how great God is, how it should be praised, and that this has been something that has gone on for generations upon generations. The great splendor and majestic works that God has done, the awesome deeds being proclaimed. We should be celebrating this. We should be giving thanks to God for his being gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, coming from verse 8. The New Testament text, the epistle text this week, is out of Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 to 30. This is a bit of a shift and a change up compared to where we've been, but it's this idea then that we should be living in Christ, and then in doing that, we're dying to the self. And so in Doing that, this is then giving ourselves as an offering to God and recognizing that this is our living sacrifice of for Christ. This recognition of the abundance of what Christ did for us, it's the least we can do. And it's not something that should be boasted about coming from verse 26, but this is something that it's just, it's the attitude and how we walk out the gospel and recognizing that It's that same spirit that Christ took on for us. We can recognize and give up something, giving up the desires of the flesh to be pursuing what God is striving us to be and recognizing in that that there is struggle and hardship and that helps us understand what God was doing. But also it's in all this that a relationship is built and recognizing that this is something much greater than what we would ever had before. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 20, the first 16 verses of it. And we are jumping right into a parable this week. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers. And so he hires laborers for the field at nine o'clock. And then he sees that they are going to pay whatever the rate is. And so then he goes out again at noon and at three and does the same to hire people to help with the field. And again at five, he goes out and hires them. And they go out in the vineyard. And at evening time, when they're calling them in, the people at five get the same daily wage as if they had been there the whole day. Which then the others are thinking, oh, we're going to get more. And no, they get the same rate. And it's this recognition of the, it's not about who gets here first or who gets here last. And so that's where we get in verse 16. So the last will be first and the first will be last. This is not something to be envious about. It's about that we're all in this together. We're all working together. The harvesting is all coming together now. And so it's kind of this recognition of if we're coming into the faith early or coming into the faith late, it really doesn't matter. It's the recognition that we're all there. We're all doing the labor and that it's all the recognition at the end that we have been working toward this. So. Before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug. Oh, Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some different ideas and directions for this podcast. So if you enjoy listening and getting ready for worship ahead of time, I'd highly recommend checking out Working Preacher. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really enjoy how they lay out the text week to week, but along with the art, 
the prayers, the colors, just a lot of different great resources over there to be able to help get you into different mindsets. Look at these texts in different ways or think about how do we be able to connect with the holy in a new and different way. And so if you haven't checked out the revised common lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publication. These reflections and newsletters that come out not only talk about resources and events that are coming up geared more toward the upper Midwest of the United States, but also they have ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies that can be used in weekly lectionary preaching. And I'd highly recommend checking those out week to week. If you enjoy listening to this podcast week to week, I know you will enjoy reading over these commentaries. So I'd highly recommend filling out the form and sending an email in the links down below for the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising publication. And as I've stated before, I will be doing one of these later this year. So get ready. That should be a real fun time. In certain ways, the texts that we have this week are all over the place, but yet they're also very similar, all in the same mind. It's this recognition of having a God who cares so deeply about us that God looks, listens, hears us, plans ahead, all these things like a good parent in a lot of ways would be doing. The recognition of seeing progress in who we are. Recognition it doesn't matter who's first or who's last as long as the harvest comes in is something that is of value. And when thinking about this, it's a unique way of thinking. It's not a typical, at least United States thought process because there's this process of community so embedded within everything that we're doing. And it's not necessarily about benefiting anybody in particular. It's about benefiting the whole group, which is something as a world we need to be working on. And it's something that in nature we can see, but sometimes us as humans struggle with that. But I found a really cool example from the late 40s, early 50s, where that was the case, where we thought a little bit differently, and it benefited not only humans, but also beavers. In 1948, the Idaho Department of Fish and Game was in an interesting situation. The city of McCall in Idaho had been growing with Plantinet Lake area, and with the city growing, they found themselves in a unique situation that these rodents, beavers, were starting to cause more and more problems for their city by causing, creating dams and along with just causing havoc. Something had to give. So, the Idaho Fishing Game took a, a little bit older beaver named Geronimo and developed a spring-loaded box that they could put him in and because this is in 1948 and coming out of World War II, there was a lot of leftover parachutes from World War II. And so they ran this test with Geronimo multiple times, dropping them from about 150 to 200 feet to see if they could develop a box that upon impact would open up so that they could take this beaver and relocate it into a new area. And where they were thinking was, 
an area that was up further north in the mountainous regions where there was a lot of lakes and streams. The issue is, is there wasn't any roads there and it wasn't easy like land access. So that's where this parachuting idea of beavers came in as a decent idea to do this. Hence, Geronimo, after passing multiple tests, him along with 76 other beavers were released into the Idaho wilderness. And actually, of the 77 that they originally started with, 76 survived. There was one where the box had a malfunction and the beaver got out and unfortunately didn't make it when it landed. But other than that, it was a super successful project. Even Geronimo getting one of the first landings along with having three females nearby for Geronimo was kind of his reward for being quite literally a guinea pig for this program. Part of how this also then lived in infamy is that this is something that sounds like this great wives' tale that this is something that happened. It's really, we're having parachuting beavers into the Idaho wilderness. That sounds like a thing that happened. And it had been rumored for decades that there was film footage of this. Well, in 2015, the Idaho Fish and Game found the footage and put it up on YouTube. And I will attach it in the links down below. It is worth a watch. It is really fascinating to look at, one, how they're developing the boxes, how they even captured the beavers initially, and them kind of how they were doing the tests and making sure that things were going to be okay. And it's just super kind of cool to see that era of how do we going to innovate and deal with this problem. And I'll attach multiple articles down below, again, getting into various different sides of this from the designing or what all happened in more of a news story to even the aspects of finding the film footage and the history behind that is fascinating. But how does this relate to the text that we have at hand? The easy way of looking at it is here we have a growing city in Macau and easily could have been, well, we'll just trap them and we'll dispose of them properly so that we can have the city grow and not have these issues. The beautiful thing was, is the reason that Idaho did not do that is they were trying to think forward. They were trying to think beyond where they were at. And actually, the film that they created, which also shows some trapping of both pine martens and muskrats, is they called it fur for the future. They were thinking ahead. They were recognizing that this is part of the culture of Idaho at this point and trying to make sure that they were going to have this for generations to come. Trying to look at there are places where these beavers would thrive where we're not inhabiting. Hence, it's very difficult for us to get there. But we're going to relocate these beavers to an area that's going to be beneficial to them and thus us not just going through a rampage of let's kill the beavers at this moment to get rid of this situation. This isn't our nature very often. 
Very often we try thinking of the problems in the current moment and trying to fix them at the current moment instead of thinking all the way through the problem. Thinking is what is the effect of what I'm doing now? How is that going to affect something 10, 15, 20, two generations from now? What is that going to look like? There are beavers now in places in Idaho that it would have taken them a tremendous amount of time to get to. They may have never been able to get to. And thus, it's areas that actually were going to be better suited for both them and the human populations. When I look at this Matthew text, and when we had the workers complaining about, you had people working an hour, and they got a day's wage, where I worked all day, and I get the same wage, what gives? And the recognition of Jesus trying to lay out, that isn't the point. The point is the labor of what you're doing. The point is, is having a relationship with me. The point is living your life in a way that people ask why, that you can show them on why you're doing it, and that they have enough questions that you walk alongside them and maybe they join in in the work. The point is that we should be working together. The point is that we have a God who listens and cares for us. We see that in the Exodus text this week on how God hears the people complaining and finds a solution for us that benefits the people for a tremendous amount of time. Where we as humans like seeing, well, this isn't going to work. We're going to complain about this. And God's saying, you're not seeing through the whole situation. There's 120,000 people here, Jonah, and you're wanting me just to wipe them off the face of the planet because you don't like that they repented and that I was caring for that? Yet, how many times have I done that for your ancestors? That they messed up and I was caring and compassionate. And because you don't like this city, you don't think that this is right, that I shouldn't be caring and compassionate. This gets into then the Philippians text of living our life in a way that we're not boasting about who we are in the faith, but we are living our lives in a way that it gratifies who we are, and the connection that we have with God. The beautiful thing what I see with the Idaho fishing game with this beaver drop, if you want to put it that way, is they are seeing the future in front of them and recognizing if we wipe out the beavers, this isn't going to be good for us. This is part of the identity of who we see Idaho to be. So we're going to take care of these beavers. We're going to relocate them and try to do it in as safe of a way as possible. They were very successful in how they did it, and they were able to stimulate both their natural while still helping their human needs. It was a win-win situation. They thought through the situation, they understood the assignment, and they ended up benefiting everybody. And now we get this amazing video footage and amazing ideas on, wow, thinking outside the box, look how the Idaho fishing game was able to think creatively and provide for these beavers instead of just saying we can do a population control plan, which we can kind of figure out what that would have otherwise been. This is incredible.
This is, to me, seeing how the creativeness of who God is and how God was able to provide for the people in the Exodus story in ways that they couldn't have imagined. Having manna and quail every day. Jonah getting so upset, yet God then can provide a shade tree for him. And when it's taken away, he then complains, but then doesn't understand the metaphor of what that actually is. And ends it on a question on how are you going to react to that? I think this is a nice reflection, even in this gospel text, of one, recognizing that our walks of faith shouldn't be just about comparing our walks of faith to other people of the walks of faith. But it's also recognizing that there are times that we're going to have to have creative solutions. There are times we're going to have to be listened and challenged and pulled. Because yes, there are certain parts of our faith that we have been there since 9 o'clock in the morning. But there are other places in our faith walk where it's maybe 3 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the evening and we haven't gotten there yet. We're still working on it. And it's in that communication and understanding that sometimes God works in unconventional ways. And that's a good thing for us. It's that creativeness that's within us as well. Recognizing that creative solutions. See, not only the creative solution of the beavers and being able to relocate the beavers is not the only creative aspect to the story. It's recognizing the resources that they had at the time the parachutes from World War II, and what are we going to do with these? This is a way we can actually utilize them. It's also a story about making sure we're making do with the resources that we have. It ties into the Psalms of recognizing the gifts that we've been given and giving thanks. Recognizing if we've been given these things, we should be utilizing them responsibly. That's a whole other aspect to the story. Making sure that we're diligent in the fields, working those fields, so that we're able to be as good as we possibly can with our resources. And to do that, there's times where you have to step back and reflect. And be able to recognize the gifts and blessings that are right in front of you all the time. And we as humans are very quick to forget that a lot. So the question I have for you this week is where have you listened and received a creative response to your question? Where have you listened and heard a creative response to your question? Because I think sometimes, and at least I know I can speak for myself here, there are times that the literal or practical part of my brain kicks in and, okay, yes, this makes sense. But I also recognize that there is a creative part of my brain And sometimes that creative part of my brain is as powerful or more powerful and creates better ideas than the practical. And I would argue in our world, there's a lot of times the stories we like hearing, the stories that we resonate with are the ones where the practical was saying this, but the creative side and God was urging me to do this. And so I did. And sometimes It leads us into crazy stories that offshoot in ways we never would have expected. And sometimes, if not always, they end up in places better than what we could have ever imagined. I'll talk about in the special 300 episode special edition podcast. There was a really cool moment this year that I had with the podcast. And it was super fun being able to be in this situation with my wife and talking about what has all happened because of this podcast for me. 
And I'll dig into that a little bit more and kind of give you a little bit of what's all going on. This year has been crazy in a lot of ways with, in particular, this podcast, and it's super awesome. But I think sometimes we limit ourselves or we start seeing things as not fair and we don't necessarily recognize the creative and awesome things that God is still doing. And in us getting in that place, we're not in a place of giving thanks. We're not in a place to recognize what God maybe is actually doing. And because we're not in that place, we can't see. We need to relocate beavers and we have a surplus of World War II parachutes. If we create a spring-loaded box for these beavers, we'll take Geronimo out here and we'll do some tests. I bet we can drop these in the rural wilderness of Idaho and it'll be better for everybody. Be honest, that's the type of creative energy that we're needing in the church. We're needing in the world. We need in our communities. We need in our lives day to day. And if we don't allow ourselves to go there, if we don't allow ourselves to do that, what are we actually doing? We're limiting our own selves. We get to the end of the workday and we're complaining because we haven't been able to be creative that day. And I think there's times we have to remember that we are created in the image of a creator. So thus we need born to be curious and creative. So yes, there's times where the labor is hard and the work doesn't seem like the pay is right. But sometimes it also means that gives us the opportunity to think creatively and think about things in a new way. It gives us an opportunity to be thankful. It gives us an opportunity to reflect the light that changed our lives. To be that difference where someone asks why. And that always opens up the door to so many other questions if we allow ourselves to go there. So, be creative and let beavers fly. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.